my uh, kids, we've had a problem in our household. Um, we have our camper trailer at a location, and then, of course, we have our home. And uh, when we bought groceries, we bought chips and dip, which, you know, it's like when you get to heaven, it's like, well done, good and faithful servant. Before you see anything, they're like, here's your chips and dip. It's the most <laughs> glorious thing here. It's chips and dip. And, um, and so chips and dip. And so we have some dip at the trailer and some chips at home, but they're not together. And so the kids are like, hey, what do you want? And they're like, I want chips. Well, the dip's at the trailer. It's like, oh, you know. And that true pain that they're experiencing, that's what we feel as a church when we're not better together. When you're not with us, when you're not connected, it's chips without dip. And you know that pain. <laughs> so amen, amen. You will remember that for the rest of your life. Of all the sermons I just preached in this series, I'd be like telling your friends, like, no, it's better that we're together. Like chips and dip. Have you ever? <laughs> all the scripture I've used, that's what you're going with. But truthfully, uh, we've talked a lot about better together, and it's not too hard for us to take a look at culture and see that when we're divided, it's probably the worst thing we can do is to live divided, segregated, fighting. Uh, not paying attention to the real issues instead of, instead we pay attention to our own issues and we just continue to divide and drive wedges and hurt people. Amen. And, uh, and, but the scripture is full of the opposite of that. It's the call to coming together to be better. We're better together. Unity is where there's strength. The scripture says that one can drive a thousand, but it says two can put 10,000 to flight talking about evil works and, and things that are, are trying to hurt us. And so when we're together, we're just so much better. Amen. And so it's something we have to fight and work for and protect this unity, especially as Christians and, and church attenders, people who belong to a body of Christ. And so today I want to finish up this series called We're Better Together in Blessing, in blessing, and the way that we work in blessing our community, blessing one another, even just the way uh, that we steward the blessing that God gives us. We're better together in God's blessing. Amen. Amen. The book of Acts chapter 4 verse 32, it says this, all the believers were in one heart and one mind. What's he saying? Better together. They were better together. This is, the, this is the picture of the rollout of the new church, the New Testament church, we call it. This is the way of doing it. Uh, Jesus has come. He's taught. He's done his things. And, and it's like, all right, here's how we're going to go forward in it. And the beginning of it is, look, all the Christians were in one heart. They were in one mind. It said, no one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything they had. Some of you would be like, oh man, he's saying that I don't own anything. It's more of a mindset of this. They understood that everything they had wasn't something they did by themselves. Everything they had was given to them by God anyway. They understood that their possessions and everything that they had been given was a blessing to them. You understand? So they shared what they had because it comes from God anyway, and it's better to be together. It says, with great power. Not with boring religious routine. It says, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so, there's that word again, powerfully at work in all of them that there were no needy persons among them. Uh, there's some people that say when you... Uh, help your community, when you connect with people, when you give back and make a difference and feed kids and do those things, uh, people say, oh, that's just a handout. That's not spiritual. That's just human resource. No, it says that powerful work was among them and it caused them to eliminate neediness. Power of God eliminates neediness. Are you with me? 
So there were no needy persons among them. It says, from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put them at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. So the picture in this New Testament church is this, better together in blessing, better together in our unity, better together in our resources. We can do so much more for the kingdom when we come together in it. Amen. Uh, we've seen it happen time and time again in this church as we do legacy offerings or our one-for-one campaigns or whatever takes place. Uh, every time we as a church step up and come together, it's even better than what we could even think. It's always exceeding expectation because that's how God works. And so uh, I do want to just talk about resources and how God leads us in our money and his design for us. Uh, if you're a note taker, take notes. I got four points in this, but these should be four foundations of your thinking when you think about your money. I want you to be able to look back and be like, all right, this is what I know about my money. This is the, the way God thinks about it and, and, and has a plan for me in it. I'll say this, the money message is the hardest messages to preach. Uh, they say statistically, and it happens all the time, uh, that more people leave over the conversation of money in church than any other topic. And uh, a lot of pastors have then begun to just avoid it. They don't talk about it at all. Now, we've seen the abuse of it on one side where preachers talk about it all the time. Uh, I think even recently you see people trying to get jets and do all these different things and just a big abuses of significant dollar amounts. But God does have a plan for using our resources. Blessed to be a blessing is God's design. And so it's a huge ripoff to you. And I say this every time we talk about money in church. It's a huge ripoff to you who I love, my congregation, if I avoid the principles of blessing. If I just say, oh, it makes people uncomfortable and usually some people leave over. And so I don't want to talk about it. What a huge disservice I would do to you, my congregation, when I know that the scripture is full of promises for your life about blessing. Amen. And so we'll just always talk about it. We don't talk about it a lot. I think our last, our last time we had a sermon for it was uh, around the Blessed Life series, which was last fall. Uh, if you want more detail about that series, it's about a six-week thing. You can find it all online. But uh, great stuff in there. And here, here's why it matters. Here's why it's a really big deal. Other than the disservice, is here's what the enemy does. Whenever there's something that has great strength, the devil targets it and tries to distort it and ruin it and twist it. So if prayer is so powerful, why do you think he tries to keep us so distracted and out of prayer? He tries to keep us busy. He tries to keep us all these other things going on, all this other entertainment. Why? Because he goes after. If unity is so important in the body of Christ, why do you think he tempts us in ways of pride? The scripture says he's the accuser. Why does he come in and, and try to plant things in us that make us try to fight with each other? Are you with me? because there's great strength in it. Uh, what about compassion? You know, if, if we're going to be known that we're his disciples by our love, then how many know the enemy would love to do nothing more than to make us some hate-filled picket sign Christians? Are you with me? Because there's great strength if we can be a people of compassion and love for one another. Are you with me? It's the same thing in generosity. If we're blessed to be a blessing in their strength in what we do with our resources and it advances the kingdom of God here on earth, then how much would the enemy be like, hey, I got to keep them chasing upgrades and keeping up with the Joneses and the next thing, right? Because it, it's going to totally sabotage what God wants to do here on earth. Amen. And so it's important for us to look at it. I believe this too. I believe that money and resources and blessing of God, it brings out the best in church people. 
Uh, I've seen it. I'm a church kid. I grew up in church. I see some of the best moves of God and the most impact that people have on the community is when church people come together, put God first in their resources, and then go out and lavish that onto someone in the community. You, you've probably seen some of it online. You've seen where uh, churches have like ordered a pizza and then they've like way over tipped the person, right? Or you've seen someone give away a car or they build a house or whatever the things are that they do. But some of the best works of the church actually come in the way of the way that they bless people. Are you with me? Yeah. It's a call of God on a church, his body to go be a blessing. Amen. Yeah. I've also seen the money talk do great disservice to the kingdom of God. Do you know that waitresses try to avoid Sunday afternoons? This is true because the tipping of church people on Sunday afternoon is typically so poor. Isn't that terrible? Back in the Old Testament, God said, I'm going to bless you so much. Your name's going to be so great. And all your descendants, you're going to be so blessed. And you're going to be blessed so that you can be a blessing. It's like this recycling machine that God set up. We were created to be blessed, to give blessing, and then God blesses more. And it's like this engine that should go faster and faster. But why is it our community is like, don't put me on Sunday? Those church people come. Are you with me? And so I've seen great disservice with it as well. And so I said all that to say this. We got to talk about it. We got to look at it. We got to see what God says about our resources. And here's why. You heard me say this a couple weeks ago. Bill Johnson does a great teaching on this idea that all of heaven's, all of our answers to this world's need are already in heaven. God has all the answers. We have to communicate with God and fellowship with God and get these and pray into and, and, and believe that God has answers for us, right? So what the enemy tries to do is distract us, frustrate us, depress us, get our mind thinking on other things so we don't receive and connect with God. Are you with me? The number one stressor of, a, of an American, uh, they say, is money. It's really two things. It's the, it's, the, it's the unknown of the future and then the pressure of money. And really those things tie together. And so what has the enemy done a good job? He said, hey, if I can get them to mess up their money so bad, They'll never pay attention to what God really wants to do in them and through them because they're so consumed with that pressure. It's really a form of slavery, right? We go out and we drink $10 drinks and we put them on credit cards and pay 20% interest on all the, and then we can't understand why we don't have money. And are you with me? Culture is just in this slavery mentality uh, because why? The enemy is like, hey, I just don't want them to live free. When God's over here like, hey, the reason I've come is to set you free. It was for freedom that I've set you free. So it's good for us to talk about money. Everybody say amen. So four quick points for you uh, that I want you to know about money, and I want you to make it this your belief system. Again, we're better together in blessing. God wants you blessed. He wants you taken care of because there's freedom in it. Uh, so point number one, God cares about your money. God cares about your money. Think about that. The creator of heaven and earth who literally is still keeping the stars hung cares about your paycheck. That's a good thing. Amen. That's a good thing that you have the creator of everything who puts everything in earth. He's saying like, hey, I want to participate with you in that. I want to take care of you in that. I want to make sure you're, you're well covered in that. Amen. Jesus talked a lot about money. There's about 500 scriptures in regard to prayer. There's about 500 scriptures in regard to faith. There's over 2000 scriptures uh, that Jesus spoke of when it comes to money and possessions. Why? Because everything hinges, so much hinges on what we do with what we've been given. Are you with me? Uh, so many people do this. They say, I believe in God. All bunch of Americans, a whole bunch of Americans. Are you a Christian? Yep, I believe in God. 
But I would say the number of people who actually worship God is much, much lower. And that's the huge difference. God didn't call us to believe. Now, obviously, we got to believe in him. But there is a surrender to his saviorness, to who he is, his lordship, that should come in place behind that. And that means total surrender of everything. You can't say, oh, God, I believe in you and you're great and you're good to me. But just let me handle my money. No, no, no. It's a, everything worships him. Our whole life is in total surrender to him. Amen. This side gets it and we'll get it. So I said that to say this, it, it's, it's this, and it's the hardest area, I would say, of all the things we're called to do. You know, you got prayer, you got all these other things. The one that like pinches the most is when it comes to money and resources. Are you with me? And so I think it's a real thing we all battle. But, but God cares about your money because he wants to take care of you. We saw in Matthew chapter 25, we saw the parable of the talents. Many of you have heard it. Uh, we see where he uh, gives some uh, different allotments. And so he says, hey, you're going to have five, you're going to have two, you're going to have one. He gives it to three different guys. And one guy does nothing with what he's been given. And you see here in verse 21, it says uh, to the guy uh, who, who did something with it, advanced it, who, who was a good steward of it, it says, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Uh, the parable or the point of this story is this, God pays attention to what we do with our money. Think about that. God, and, and so it's like, you may be able to hide some things from your wife, right? Uh, uh, so my wife, um, I flip dirt bikes as like a hobby. So I buy them really low, clean them up, sell them. And then usually I take that cash and I make the mistake of just like putting that money in a jar on the counter. But now my daughter, who's five, she's on my team. So the other day, Jess was going to go to a LuLaRoe party and Caroline comes out, dad, mom went in your jar. <laughs> And I'm like, yes, I know. That's what she does. So Jess has no shame in her game. She don't hide it. Some of you are still hiding it. You've got to level up. Uh, it gets to the point where you just don't even care. But there's some things you can do with your money that other people might not know about. You overspend here. You get anything here. You don't ever. But God is paying attention to what we do with what we've been given. Not so that he can get you and throw a lightning bolt at you and get... God's looking at it because it's like, I can't wait to say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been a good steward of this. You've lived the way that I've called you to live with this. Now let me make you rule over more. Amen. And so it's a benefit that God's paying attention. He cares about what we do with our money because he wants to grow us and increase us and advance us. Amen. Uh, I thought about this. Uh, before he can make you ruler over more and bless you, uh, you again, you, you have to be a good steward of it. A lot of us do this. Uh, belief... And obedience, again, are two separate things. Oh, I believe in God, but total surrender is a whole other thing. And so God's way, Robert Morris says this all the time, it's so much better to do things God's way. It's just so much better for us to just take the ways of God and depend on handling things God's way. No, I can get this. I can get figured out. Oh, you know, I got that bonus coming, or I can work a little harder, or we can sell that thing. Take all that pressure off yourself and just be completely obedient to doing it God's way. And then there's no pressure. There's no thing. Just let God be the one to handle it for you. Amen. He's your greatest CPA that you could ever have. Just get him in. Let him do the work for you. Just do it God's way and, and see his increase. Amen. The Bible says we should be good stewards of our money. So that means we should know where it's going. If you can't look back, and I'm just being practical for you. If you can't look back at your month and see what you've spent on what, I mean, you go down and you add up. You're like, oh, my gosh, I spent that much on out to eat. Oh, my gosh, I spent that much on this and that. 
If you don't have a good account for what you're doing with your money, then I'm telling you, you're missing God's blessing. Because God has said, if you're faithful with it, if you're a good steward of it, if you're paying attention to it, that's the way that I can give you more. But if you don't know, you're going to be missing. (laughs) Amen. Scripture says, where your treasure is, there is your heart also. So where you're putting your money, there's where your heart is also. We say it around here all the time. Show me your checkbook and I'll show you your heart. You invest in what you love. You put your money into what you love. Let's make sure we're putting our money into the things of God, the heart of God, the things that God's called us into. Amen. Point number two. Uh, So God does care about what you do with your money, but point number two is this. God doesn't need your money. He cares about what you do with your money, but he doesn't need your money. Psalm 24, 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. He has all that he needs. He can create what needs to be created. God isn't after your money because for some reason he needs it. Truthfully, even about the church, well, the church needs money to be able to do the thing. If if people just decided that no longer is it going to be, God would still find a way to advance his church. Are you with me? But it's our benefit that God has given us that when we give and take care of his people, that he then blesses us. Amen. So he doesn't need our money, but write this down. God doesn't need your money, but we need God in our money. We need God in our money. We need his ways in our money. It's, it's, it's the way that he's called us to live that makes it so much better. So we need God's ways in our money. If money is such a big part of your world, don't you want to make sure that God's principles are in it? If it's how you get your house and if it's how you get your transportation, if it's how your kids go to school, if it's how you eat, if it's all of these major hinged things then don't you think it's really important for us to make sure we're doing it with God's principles instead of our own thinking? Oh, no, I got this. I can figure it out. I can get a thing. I can do it. And you put all this pressure of doing it your own way when God has promises that he says, hey, I I promise you, this is a promise of God. If you do these things this way, I'll take care of you. I would much rather have myself depending on God than depending on myself or depending on my wife because she takes my money. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's depend on God on it. Point number three. Point number three. Uh, money won't solve all your problems. So many of us, we just, it's, it's that, it's that uh, lottery mindset. You just think, oh, man, if I could just, if it just, just get just the mega millions. If I only got this, if, if somebody would just hit me in a parking lot and I could sue them for 100000 I would just be so solved. I would give up a leg just for, a, you know, like you have this... But for real, and I'm not going to go down the road of like celebrities and, you know, all this that you see of people who have money and you think they should be happy and all, all of that stuff is true. But I'm even talking about just in your little sense of like, oh, if the house could just be paid off, I would be happy. Or, oh, if we could just get out of these cars to these cars, if I just had enough money to do that, then all my problems, I'd be happy. I'd be, it's just not the truth. The, the thing that's dissatisfying in your life is, is that for some reason you're carrying something that God should be carrying for you. You, you, haven't, you haven't fully submitted in some area that you're wholly trusting and depending. Are you with me? And so I think for us, we say, oh, if I just got enough money. No, no, it's ne- money will never solve it for you. That's why the scripture says in 1 Timothy 6.10, it says, for the love of money is the root of all evil, for which some have strayed away from the faith in greediness. You've heard me preach about this a lot, but it's this. It's literally, it's, love, money's not a bad thing. It's the way that we chase it, the way that we love it, the way that we say, oh, if I just got this much more of it, then I would have happiness. 
we attach this happiness to this love of things or money. And it, and it says, literally, you can get totally pulled away from your faith in chasing money. Money is like a tool. Uh, it's like a chainsaw. A chainsaw is great, right, for cutting down a tree. Not so great for, like, cutting steak at the table, right? It's a great tool in this way, not a great tool this way. It's the same thing with money. When we do it God's way and with his principles, it's an incredible thing to have working in our life. But when we're chasing it and we depend on it and it's the only thing keeping us happy, it will do great disservice to your life. Amen. And that's what I love about the scripture, always calling us to a balance. It's not trust money, it's trust God with money. Amen. Uh, I've said it before, you've heard this illustration where uh, you remember when you were a kid, you would tie a you know, $20 bill up to a string and you'd put it out on the sidewalk and someone would come along and you'd pull it and they'd start chasing it and they'd start banging into things and falling over and looking like an idiot. That's what we do when we chase money. You know, oh, I just got to get it. If we can get to that next thing and you start neglecting family for that promotion, you know, you start, you know, not paying attention to church because you're taking extra days of work so that you can get into the new neighborhood or get the new car or do all this. And so you're just chasing, chasing, and you're smashing into things and you're making a mess of your life just because you're trying to get that next thing. It's chasing. That's the love of money. That scripture's saying, hey, avoid that. You'll fall away from the faith. Amen. That's why Matthew 6, gives us this promise. If we seek first the kingdom of God, the ways of God, the principles of God, then everything else will be added. It will all fall into place if we just do it God's way and by God's design. Amen. You can't get something from somebody you don't go to. So many of us say, oh, I just, I know God's going to bless me. And then you just go about your own business and you do things your own way. We have to seek first. We have to go to the one and depend on the one that we actually believe is going to add unto us. Does that make sense? It's just a wish. If you're like, oh, I, I, I just... Belief is something, and I'll say it this way, how you behave is what you actually believe. It's really just a wish if you're walking around, I know God's going to bless me, I know he can do it, I know, and you just say, or are you pursuing, are you seeking first, are you putting in place the principles that he's laid out in order for you to have him add unto you? Are you with me? And so for us, it's just, it's continuing to put God first and see him bless you. Point number four is this, God wants to prosper you. He does want to prosper you. Uh, we get too much uh, bad headlines. You see them online where you just get really extravagant into the prosperity message of like everyone should have a jet and a Lamborghini and all this. Kind of, and, and John likes that. Amen. He's like, I want. There is truth to God blessing us. We're going to look at it in that way. But again, it's not a chasing it. Uh, you don't want a Lamborghini, John. They're so hard to get in and out of. And we were just talking about it in the hallways. It's hard to get off the floor, like with kids. <laughs> Lamborghini is like. But, but some of you, some of you, some of you are like, I'll take it. I don't care what it is. I'll crawl into it. But some of you have been raised in a church that has said, Jesus was poor. We all got to be poor. You know, the book of Acts, what I just read. See how they all came together and they gave away all their money. We should have nothing. No one should have any possessions. It just doesn't line up with God's design. It doesn't line up with the way that God created us and the way that he's created even our eternity. God wants to prosper you when we're obedient. Psalm 35 says, let the Lord be exalted for he delights in the prosperity of his people. 
He delights in the prosperity of his people. How did that happen? It happened through faithfulness and good stewardship. When you're faithful with little, God gives you more. He advances us through obedience. Amen. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. He wants us to have wealth. He wants us to live a way that we see increase in blessing happen in our life. Amen. Heaven is a picture of God's design of extravagance. Revelation chapter 21. You've heard me share some of this before. Uh, It talks about what your eternity is going to look like and what God's heart uh, is. It says that cities are made of pure gold. And so you can go around, you can see the streets. You have all these streets uh, made of pure gold. It says the gates in heaven. There's 12 gates made of pure pearls. Uh, And so in heaven, you can literally look around and see the extravagance. Uh, I would actually use the word excellence. You know, God is just into excellence. We're not extravagant. Uh, We don't believe God for extravagance so that we can be flashy. But having things in order and being blessed is is how God even built heaven. Philippians 4.19 says this, God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If heaven looks like this and that's God's supply then how many of you know if he's going to supply us, it's okay for it to be some nice things? Amen. Uh, I thought about it like this. If you were to take a look at how God instructed Solomon to build the temple, which is found in 2 Chronicles 3, Solomon used 46,000 pounds of pure gold. If that were today, it would have been valued at about $500 billion. So he's like, hey, build this temple, build this place of worship for me. And in its day, what it would be now would be like a $500 billion set up because God, God, God is somebody, the, the scripture says he's got a, a, a hill full of thousand cattle on him. He's just got so much. He's, and his desire is to bless us so that we can bless others. Amen. Amen. But it all comes back to the beginning. We're better together. We work together. We do it for his glory. Amen. I thought about, and I'll close with this. I thought about literally, you could just take a look around at what God created and he's into excellence in order and things being taken care of. Why don't you go walk the pier and just watch a sunset? Watch the leaves change in the fall. Look at, look at the order of things. Uh, look, you, go look at the greatness that, that's here on earth, the beauty, things like Michigan Stadium, all the stuff that God has blessed us with. You just look and you, yeah, amen. Just look at that and you go, look what the Lord has done. Or you go down to Ohio. And you look at that one stadium that looks like a toilet seat. And you see, see the enemies into some things and God does some things. (laughs) I got some friends here from Ohio. They're probably not my friends anymore. I met them 20 minutes ago. They said, is there going to be an Ohio jokes? Any Ohio jokes? I said, not scheduled, but the Lord will lead it. You know, I'm an anointed man of God. They'll come. (laughs) But for real, this whole message of, 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 oh, Jesus was poor and we should be poor and we should be all this kind of stuff. It's just not God's heart. And if you were raised that way, throw that out. Because God, God's design is, he literally said, I can't explain the whole thing in good time, but literally back when it came to Abraham and the call on his life of descendants, he said, I'm going to make your name great. You're going to have a generate, you know, you're going to have generations like the stars. You're going to, but they use this word of shalom. You'll have this perfect shalom. You'll have this blessing on your life, which is a totality of blessing that would be on every generation, meaning every need met, would be for every generation of God's people. 
Uh, that's what God is looking for on our lives. He's looking to bless you and, 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 and continue to bless you, this blessing recycling. Am I making sense? Yeah. And so, again, we're not pursuing it. We're not chasing it for the love of it. But as we're obedient and we're good stewards and as we're working together and we're coming together and we're meeting the needs of people in the community, then God does it. He blesses it. He sees us fit to receive increase. Uh, and it's, it's just how God really set up the church. Uh, I thought about, I think it was our first year. Uh, so we had these ugly chairs in this, our first year. This room did not look like this at all. We had green, orange, and yellow chairs. Looked like a pot pie threw up in here. <laughs> and there's all these beautiful churches around here. And we're a new church and we're like, oh, come here. It's going to be great. And it just was, looked terrible. And um, so it was like maybe the fifth month or sixth month. I'm not really sure. I'll get it wrong. But, um, and we were just like, just believe in God, like for the money to raise the money to just get rid of these chairs because they were so crazy and hard to sit in. And you guys are spoiled now, like, spoiled in these cushy chairs. And and uh, and so um, the city of Zealand was building a splash pad. Uh, many of you have gone and played in it. And um, they sent out this big campaign and they said, "Hey, we want to raise money and uh, put sponsors and uh, to do this splash pad." So I get this thing and I'm looking at it and praying about it. This church was broke. Like, and just like, we didn't have much money coming in. So like the lady and tramp scene where like they're in love and they go and they have meatballs and spaghetti and they like share a noodle. That was Jess and I with like a Ryman noodle. It was like, it was dinner. It was like, <laughs> and so churches. So anyway, we get this thing and they want let's build this community splash pad and all these families' lives are going to be impacted. And so we talked as a church and, you know, we said, hey, what do you guys think? We got some of this money to do these chairs. And uh, what do you think about just giving the money to this city? I go, oh, yeah, we, we could keep it for ourselves. You know, we could just do something for our house, this church, do a thing. Or, or we could bless the city and bless families and believe God that we can pray there and connect there help the hurting and maybe speak life into a mom who's struggling as the kids peeing in the splash pad or whatever you know <laughs> and uh my kid doing that uh so here's what happened so we did it and it like it was a significant amount of money for us to give to the building of that thing so we fill out the paperwork and we turned it in and I get a call back like five or six days later, like, hey, is this the pastor of the church? Like, yeah, hey, we got your letter with the, with the thing. And I'm like, oh, did the check bounce or no? <laughs> and uh, you didn't read the memo I said by faith. Do you need to wait on that? <laughs> just kidding. And um, I said, hey, we just wanted to make sure that you did this right. Just because of the amount and, you know, like what you wanted to give. Um, they said, there's just no other churches doing this. It's like businesses, and, but you're, and we were like a five month old church, like doing nothing it felt like, right? They were like, this is incredible. Like, I can't believe that you as a church. And basically they were like, why would you do this? I was like, what, like, what do you mean? Like, we're just, we're called to love our city. 
That's what it is. Like we're blessed to be able to bless you. Like we care about what God's doing in our community. Does that make sense? And I believe when you live as a people who live like that, God looks up in heaven and is like, hey, well done. How about some more? How about some more? How about some more? Amen. So for us and for you, we're so much better together in blessing. We're so much better together in giving and releasing and sacrifice. I think it's easy. I know I'm way over on time, but whatever. They just, you've heard me say it before. If we run over, they just give your kids Red Bull. They'll be fine. I think, is it five hour energy this week? I think it is. Yeah. Okay, good. So those naps aren't happening today. But what I'm trying to say is this. Wars were never started over someone being too generous or too kind. There was never hate groups formed because I'm so sick of those people loving us too much, right? If we can be that church and those people who are always, hey, how can I help? How can I love? What can we do? Yeah, I wanna pray us out of here, but I want us to think that way. Four solid points in there about really God's heart about money. But I just want us to think about how can we be that as we're blessed, we bless. Just revving up that recycling machine of blessing that God has put in our life. Amen. It's not a chore. It's an honor that God has trusted us in. Amen. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for your words and your ways and your blessing and your heart and how you use us. God, it is an honor for us to live obediently and to step in all your promises and principles. And then you see us as someone who you can add increase to and you see us faithful and, and, and Lord, you add unto so that we can continue to bless. Lord, I thank you that that blessing machine is increasing in all of us so that we can make a difference in our community. In Jesus' name, amen.